Chapter 21 The conference room contained a large rectangular table surrounded by eight blue plastic molded chairs. A small refreshment center equipped with an automatic coffee maker, styrofoam cups, and condiments was placed in the far corner. Wendy offered the Bergen family coffee, but all refused. She informed them that Dr. Stanton would be in to speak with them shortly. She placed a gentle hand on Sean's back, prompting a sharp glare from Arlene. Arlene was a small yet feisty woman, the spirit of a wild stallion with a quick temper that matched Sean's. Wendy asked if they needed anything further before exiting the room. They graciously declined. The room was left in silence. Colleen cleared her throat. Neil shifted in his seat. How's Jennifer? Arlene finally asked. I wouldn't know. Sean replied flatly. You mean you haven't checked in on her since you left? No, why should I? Sean snapped back. Arlene glared until at last turning her head in disgust. Neil leaned towards Sean, who was seated next to him, and whispered in his ear, I want to talk to you after we're finished here. Sean responded with a nod as a thin, bespeckled man entered the conference room. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dr. Stanton. I know you're all concerned about Megan's condition, so I won't waste any time. Stanton sat down in an empty chair at the head of the table. Megan is a very sick girl, but there's no reason to think that her situation is not manageable. The x-ray showed a fracture of the femoral bone. It's a mild break, but the area may have to be structurally reinforced. From what I understand, she was found approximately 48 hours following her fall. When we received her in the ER, she was extremely dehydrated with mild delirium. She had an arrest while she was still in the ER. The attendants were able to resuscitate her and started on an immediate intravenous drip to rehydrate. In the past hour, she experienced another drop in blood pressure and an irregular heartbeat. We're running a few tests, starting with a blood test, which was taken in the emergency room. We found her potassium to be low and have addressed that through the intravenous. Potassium is an important electrolyte in the body. It can be dangerous if we allow it to drop too low. Her white cell count was slightly elevated also. I prescribed some antibiotics as a precaution. I re-examined the area of the injury and noticed a curling bruise, sort of dragon shape that was not there before. The bruise could very well be the result of the low potassium. That can be one of the side effects. But we are doing an MRI scan this evening to be on the safe side. That should give us a really good picture of the damage to her hip and the surrounding tissue. The low potassium also brings up concerns of her kidney function, so we'll be monitoring her urine output. Although I will say at this point she has no other signs of kidney failure. So I expect her output to be normal. I believe the low potassium was simply a result of the time that elapsed without food or fluids. He went on to explain the course of treatment for the hip fracture, including the possibility of surgery before offering to answer any questions they may have. I was in the room during that spell, Sean spoke up. I was concerned over the way she was speaking. She, she was not making any sense. Well, like I said, she's a very sick girl. We also have her on morphine, which can have some bizarre side effects on rationale. I'd not be too concerned about that. Dr. Stanton said with a reassuring smile. He raised his eyebrows and glanced at each of their faces in a permissive gesture. Any other questions? Following the shaking of their five heads, Dr. Stanton rose from his seat. If any questions do arise, make certain. You ask one of the nurses and they can relay them to me. I'll be around in the morning to discuss the results of the MRI. I think we have her stabilized for the evening. The best medicine for her is bed rest. You folks should also try to get some sleep. You're welcome to stay as long as you'd like. Otherwise, if any problems arise throughout the night, we will certainly telephone you. He shook Neil's hand and gave the entire group a casual wave, then disappeared from the room. Colleen stretched in her seat and released a mild yawn. 
Well, I guess I'll head home then. Kurt's working the third shift and needs me there with the kids. And he comes up, make sure I get a phone call. I need to head out too, Neil added. Sean, are you staying? I don't know, it's up to Gail, she's driving. Convinced the ordeal had sobered Sean, Gail said, Someone can drive me home, I can leave my car with you. Arlene offered to drive Gail home, and the two followed Colleen out of the conference room, leaving Neil and Sean alone. Neil stared across the room at a bare wall trying to clear his thoughts. When he released a long sigh, Sean knew a lecture was coming. Sean, I hate to bring this up, but I know we take turns checking in on Graham, and this was my week to keep in touch. I'm sorry. My mind is so distant lately, I can't focus on anything. I know. Neil paused for another sigh. This was important. She's getting on in her years, and this is why I'm worried about her living alone. Neil paused, shaking his head. Look, I don't want to make you feel guilty. He rose from his seat. I just hope you can pull yourself together soon. I don't know what else to say to you. Sean kept his head down to avoid eye contact with him. Neil could see Sean's anger from the clenching of his jaw and knew the conversation was over. He exited the room, closing the door gently behind him. Fucking self-righteous bastard. Sean mumbled beneath his breath. He sat drumming his fingertips on the table briefly before exiting the room. The conversation with Neil had left him feeling frustrated. He decided to visit the cafeteria for a cup of coffee before returning to the ICU.